Welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, and I am joined once again on the front porch by my colleague in neighboring, Adam Barlow Thompson. Hello, all. Are you ready to dig deep and unveil the struggles of this world? Because that's what we're doing here today. <laughs> Sounds so ambitious. It is ambitious. <laughs> I think we're going to do it, though. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Because this episode is the second part of a conversation about the challenges of neighboring. And this time, we're going to dig into uh, how do we talk about politics? Yeah, this is a real thing that we've come across in many different conversations with people who've tried to neighbor. Yes, yeah. Turns out, people don't interact with people who disagree with them politically in many places. What? But your neighbors... You don't get to choose who they vote for. That's right. Unfortunately. (laughs) No, no, no. Fortunately. Fortunately. I mean, fortunately. Yes. Sorry. Because that is the great frontier of neighboring is that it creates the space where we actually get to engage with people. I thought you were going to say convincing your neighbor to vote for your candidate (laughs) is the new frontier of neighboring. (laughs) Well, see how that goes. Uh, You try that. I'm not trying that. Oh, man. But yes, it's an important topic, and we're excited to dig into it. So grab a chair and join us on the front porch for an honest conversation around the challenges of neighboring and talking about politics. Okay, so before we dig in, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, this is the second part. And so just a very brief recap, which brief is not, we're not good at that. We're not very good at that. So So this should only take about 10 minutes to recap. (laughs) I hope you have a long commute. All right. So in the previous episode, we decided to talk about the challenges of neighboring. And we wanted to approach those by using three either test or tools. There's a couple ways to look at it. Mm. Uh, No surprises. The three tools are abundance. Mm -hmm. By that, we mean assume the best about your neighbor. The second is relationship. So base your actions on a healthy relationship with your neighbor. And the third is joy. Namely, how is the current state of your relationship with your neighbor affecting your joy And how would a change in your relationship with your neighbor impact your joy? Wow. It's quite the summary, Matt. (laughs) He wrote that out, people. Well, clearly. (laughs) Because when we don't write it out, it takes 45 minutes to get to the point. I think one of the things we're trying to do with this is we're not trying to actually solve the problem that the neighbor might be having. We're trying to solve the process of how we address that neighbor and so if we come to the neighbor with a good process for having conversation and having difficult conversation then we can have conflict without breaking relationship in the end yes that's kind of the goal of of all of these case studies that we're talking about that's right so today what we want to do is put it a little more to the test by exploring what happens when we have a neighbor who has very different political beliefs than we do. And furthermore, that person wants to talk about them 
all the time. <laughs> you know those people. <laughs> they just can't help but share about their political belief as well. So there you go. This is something that we have heard. So my neighbor is outspoken about their political beliefs. Mm-hmm. Help. Help. <laughs> Help. Yeah. What do I do? And I don't know. I mean, this is an interesting thing about some people. This is just an observation. Like, have you noticed how there just are some people who they they seem to assume that everyone in the room mm-hmm. agrees with them politically and they feel free to just this say right. it. And, I, yeah. and i've seen it like in all spectrums of political beliefs oh yeah for sure are like oh of course everybody believes blah 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 and you're like yeah. oh my gosh i, I don't yeah. or even kind of in that same vein it's like every i know several people who assume that it's really good to have a hard-hitting political debate and really go at each other about our beliefs <laughs> yes and of course i'm like in the corner in a blanket when that happens because I don't like that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can force myself to go there if I have to mm-hmm. because there are some people, and I think it's like a personality thing more than anything, of like yeah. there are some people who really want to know that you stand for something. Mm-hmm. They'd rather you stand for something even if you disagree with them than think that you'd like have no backbone. Yes, yeah. And so like I've, I've, I have a few of those people in my life where I'm like, I'd rather not have this conversation at all, mm-hmm. but I know if I do that, you will lose respect for me. Yes. So I'm going to like muster up a belief yep. and try to hold to it. <laughs> yep. Well, and I, I mean, and that's something that you've shared with me and I've, I've put it into practice and I, I have found it to be true. Yeah. And I think that what I'm doing is like ratcheting up the conversation and they're just going to tear me apart. Yes. And in fact, when I stand up and say like, I disagree and here's why. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, okay, cool. We'll right. see you later. Like th- That's because for those people, disagreeing is just disagreeing. And yeah. for us, it's like, they hate me. <laughs> it's so personal. <laughs> My heart's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Feelers in the room can't, can relate to that, I'm uh-uh. sure. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, so that's, that's hard to do. If you're not used to that, mm-hmm. you don't have to start there. Again, Start where you are. Right. Yeah. So a great example of that is the episode from uh, one of our friends. Her name is Joy. Mm-hmm. She also exhibits lots of joy. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. But she, um, in her podcast episode, which was just a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. she talks about working with a neighbor who has very different political views. Yes. And they don't actually talk about their political views. That's right. That's right. But they still have a great neighborly relationship. They're both working to improve their community together. Yes. And they just don't talk about their, their political views. That's right. And what, and what's standing out to me, because I just listened to it again, is now that she has gotten to know her neighbor a little bit better, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of abundance, she does assume the best. Yeah. Before she knew him, she did not assume the best. Right. Um, but now she knows him and she's like, okay, he he cares about the community as much as I do. Yeah. We both care. So there's a great 
Uh, so there's abundance there. Mm-hmm. And because of looking for commonality, they've been able to build the relationship. Right. Uh, I mean, and that's the political, like the stereotypical political debate that we're having mm-hmm. is so rooted in scarcity that it makes relationship impossible. That's right. Because the scarcity of it is like, you must assume the worst in them. Yes. They are yeah. clearly out to destroy America. <laughs> That's right. Like, it's like, so true. wow, how did we get that far into this? It's really crazy. And so to, to back that up and, and go to a place of abundance gives you an actual fighting chance to have relationship of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't think Joy even would say that she's going to be best friends with this person. No. And, and again, uh, in, in the interview with us, she said... We have not talked about politics. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So she's, ma- I mean, she has journeyed way farther than I have in any of those kinds of relationships. Right. Uh, and yet also she's she's not going to go try to dig this up and yeah. work it out. Right. Nobody's working to change the other person's mind yeah. about like their yeah. political positions. Yeah. So an, an example from my real life on this one <laughs> yeah. that I don't mind naming names because he wouldn't care. Oh, yes. Is our neighbor Mark. Yeah, yeah. He He's very has different political views than I do. Yeah. And I mean, I don't post very politically on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook's the only social media I really use. And every, every once in a while I'll post something that's got a, a political slant. It's not overtly political. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark pretty much comments basically every time I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> if I had not worked on the relationship with Mark, for the last five years, mm-hmm. then those comments on Facebook would be coming out of context mm-hmm. and I would feel pretty jaded by them. Yeah. But because I know Mark, I've sat with them, I've had the conversations, we've had political conversation and, and laughed during it and mm-hmm. felt, you know, that even though we disagree, it's still collegial, it's still good. Yeah. When I see his comments on Facebook, I'm like, oh, Mark, like, oh, man, you know, like, (laughs) it's it feels more endearing than it does. Like, oh, my political enemies out to get me again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a chance there to actually do something with neighboring that we don't get pretty much anywhere else. Right. And, and I think that points to, again, it's easy to attack social media and we don't need to. Mm -hmm. Um. But I do think it's worth highlighting that that is a weakness in social media. Right. Is that if that's the only interaction that you have with folks, it's just really hard to fill in the context in a way that assumes the best. Yeah. It's like, ugh. Right. It's just really challenging. Yeah. So, yeah. So learn their names. Get to know them. I've got a neighbor. We disagree politically. Um and now it's like making me miserable. Yeah. Because every time we gather around the fire pit, they want to have this conversation. They, they want to hash it out. Not, yeah. And so it's stealing the joy. So yeah. I've assumed the best. Like I, uh-huh. I get it. They're not a bad person, but we do disagree. We do have a relationship. We've we've known each other for many years. Mm-hmm. Now we're at this question of joy. And the right. truth is, like, I it, it's coming up too much, mm-hmm. and I I don't want to be in my own front yard because it's going to come up every time I see them. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Do you get? Were you going to answer that or? Uh, I was going to move. Is that the answer? <laughs> I sell my house. Okay, so this is where it gets real because there's no easy way out of this. I mean, you can you can just avoid them. 
No. But that sucks. Right, yeah. You could move. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, really. Or you could just talk to him about it. Yes. And there's no, that like, for some people, like, yeah, that's easy. I can do it. But for a lot of people, probably most and the majority of people, they're like, no, it's so hard. <laughs> but if I was going to talk to them and I'm using that formula of I'm going to start with my emotion, mm-hmm. I'm going to name kind of um, what's happening, and then I'm going to name the boundary, mm-hmm. then the way that I could imagine that conversation going would be like, I'd go up to my neighbor and I'd say, hey, I really care about you and I want to have a good relationship with you. Um, You know, for me, political conversations bring up kind of negative emotions and it'd be really great if we could talk about some other things Mm -hmm. instead of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not you don't have to go all in and just like start a fight about it. Yes. I guess that's what people in their mind when they hear conflict Yes. It's like they're imagining picking a fight. Uh And it doesn't uh have to be that. You can just say, like, this is how I'm feeling. Here's an alternative. And it's important to me that we talk about something else. Mm -hmm. Because I'm kind of at the end of that conversation. Yes. Now, if the person pushes back, I I guess that's... Right. I, I don't know if this is worth trying to tease this out at all. But I'm just thinking if the person's like, well, it matters a lot to me. And it's something that I... I want to be free to sure. talk about. Then you just have to realize, I mean, yeah, you just go you just through the know, cycle again. You go through the cycle again. Yeah. I mean, so the book that I'm referencing is called Conflict Without Casualties. Okay. It's by uh, Dr. Nate Regeer. And we'll put that in the description. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he talks about that when you do that formula in conflict, about this is anecdotally, right? So about 40% of times people respond positively right away. Oh, okay. So the person would say, oh, I didn't realize it made you feel that way. Yeah. I won't bring it up. Right. Okay. About another 40% of times it takes you, you have to do it three times in a row. Oh, interesting. Before it catches. Okay. So like, so like I would say it, the person would be like, yeah, but I mean, Republicans are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and then yeah. you'd be like, you know, I, I I, really care about... You'd basically say the same thing. I really care about you. This is an example of the conversation that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some other good things we could talk about. Okay. You'd be like, I know, but Democrats suck too. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you do it again. And finally, after the third time, they're like, okay, you're right. You're right. I'm ready. Like, I, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. And then there's another 20% of time where mm-hmm. it just they're really committed to being in that kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there are some self-care things. So then the boundaries turn from being external to being internal and mm. saying, this is not good for my soul. Yeah. And so what do I need to do to take care of myself? Uh, and maybe it's like, you know, I, I'm try- I've tried. I appreciate you. I'm just going to let it go from here. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then you do have to kind of just not be with them as much yeah so yeah Hmm, that's good that's good and i think the main takeaway there is 80 percent of the time it can be worked out yeah i want to put those two 40 percent together yeah you may have to persist yes but in terms of on your block your cul-de-sac your community right 80 percent of the time you you can get to a place of right this is going to be okay for all of us yeah 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 which is encouraging and part of what happens i think 
with the the 20% then that's not is if you're cultivating those type of healthy relationships across the block mm-hmm. there is a peer pressure for that person um to behave <laughs> in yes. a way, you know yeah. in a way yeah so yeah oh that's yeah that points back to norms of reciprocity <laughs> <laughs> there there are social norms of expectation yeah that are being established it is and i mean we talk so conflict is intimacy that's really what conflict is mm. it is like a guaranteed way to force intimacy it's also like the most intentional weaving of social fabric yes i mean it you are setting the foundation for how we're going to interact with each other mm. and and when that when you do when you do it with conflict, which is already the stakes are higher, mm-hmm. it sets up a certain expectation for people uh, on your block. And so, if mm-hmm. you're willing to step out and be the leader on that for your block, mm-hmm. then that's a powerful way to impact your community. Also, if you're willing to do that, give us a call because <laughs> I really I want to hear what happens. I want to hear your stories because I bet they are. Amazing. Yes. And also I can't, yeah, I can't picture doing that myself. Right. So, yeah. Be tough. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, there you go, friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, From now on, if anybody ever calls and be like, this isn't working, I'm just going to be like, well, you didn't listen to the episode then. <laughs> <laughs> listen to episode, what, 22 uh, or whatever. whatever this one is. <laughs> and, and they'll be like, yeah, no, I listened. <laughs> That's the best we got, Uh, folks. I don't know what else to say. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support and time. And uh, hey, be sure to share this uh, podcast with other folks if you found it helpful. Let's spread the word and try to keep uh, spreading the neighboring movement. Uh, If you're interested in other things that we've created or done, please check out our website, www.neighboringmovement.org. And also, hey, what? What else could they do on our website, Adam? Um, well, if you are inclined, you could click on the donate page yes. and offer a little uh, assistance to the the neighboring movement, which pays for the production of this podcast. Because this is a listener-supported podcast. That's right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the music that you hear in the background is created by the entire Brutal Bear. That's right. And the editing for this episode has been done by our amazing AmeriCorps Vista, Christopher Swanson. And thanks for those little checks in the episode, Christopher. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. (laughs) With Seinfeld on us there. (laughs) Christopher loves Seinfeld. (laughs) Well, it's because you and Christopher are both old men. Even though he's like 21, (laughs) you have the souls of old men. I mean, yeah. Seinfeld is an old man show. Is it an old man show? I mean, first of all, it's 20 years old. Well, that's true. Yes, yes. And the people who liked it were 40 when they were watching it. (laughs) I wasn't 40 when I was watching it. I mean... I had an old man soul when I was watching (laughs) it in the 90s. You did. You did. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we tried. All right. Here you go. Uh, Until next time, happy neighboring. Happy neighboring.